coming up on Studio Berlin. To think that these threats are not credible and they're just joking or they're just, you know, they're not going to be serious in the end would be a massive misjudgment on the side of the Germans. We take a look at the critical debate over 5G, China's controversial tech giant Huawei, and Germany's struggle to find its way in a new digital future. These rules will improve the security of our network, but they don't do anything to deal with the threat from Chinese companies because that's not a technical threat, that's a geopolitical one. And it has to be assessed by different agencies. Are the right experts at the table to make these decisions? You need different people in the room to talk about this. If the wrong decision is made, what could the consequences be? That could be the end of European tech leadership very quickly. Why the world is watching Germany's next moves on 5G. Up next with host Noah Barkin on Studio Berlin. Welcome to Studio Berlin, our weekly current affairs show here on 104.1 FM KCRW Berlin. Each week, we're taking a closer look at the events shaping our lives here in Germany's capital. I'm your host, Noah Barkin, and in this week's show, we'll be discussing Huawei, the Chinese telecommunications company that is at the heart of the U.S.-China conflict and of Germany's struggle to redefine its relationship with a rising China. A number of countries, including the United States, Australia, and Japan, have essentially banned Huawei from building their next-generation mobile networks, known as 5G. Washington is piling pressure on Germany and other European countries to do the same. But Berlin is hesitating, wary of a backlash from China at a time when its economy is losing momentum and reluctant to choose between Washington and Beijing. Joining me in the studio today to get to the bottom of this complex standoff are two of the leading experts on 5G here in the German capital. Janka Oertl is a senior fellow in the Asia program at the German Marshall Fund of the United States. Welcome, Janka. Thank you, Noah. And Jan-Peter Kleinhans heads up the IT security program at the Stiftung Neuer Verantwortung, a Berlin think tank focused on technology and society. Welcome, Jan-Peter. Thanks for having me. So, Jan-Peter, I wanted to kick off with you by asking you to explain all the fuss about 5G. The interesting thing about 5G is that there has been a lot of academic research and a lot of laboratory tests on 5G that showed amazing things. So it's a future infrastructure with a high potential. But at the same time, someone needs to roll out that infrastructure. And that will take time because with 5G, and that's a big difference from 3G and 4G, the national operators, so in Germany, the Deutsche Telekom, Vodafone, Telefonica, they all have to reinstall their entire infrastructure. So in Germany, we have around 75,000 base stations on roofs, on bus stops, and so on. In order to access the new frequencies that were just auctioned off, you need a service worker climbing up the roof 75,000 times, install a new antenna, change out boxes. And this will not happen in a year or two. So we should most likely think about five to 10 years. Well, the word that we keep hearing is critical infrastructure. Yanka, uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the concerns about Huawei, the Chinese telecommunications company. This is a private company. It's been active in Europe for many years. It's been a 
key supplier for countries like Germany and the UK. Why is it suddenly seen as a security threat? So there's not only Huawei in the market, there's Huawei and ZTE, two Chinese companies that play a relatively significant role in the European infrastructure in, in mobile communications at the moment. Of those two, Huawei is termed as the private company, whereas ZTE is a stained-old enterprise. But Huawei is not a private company by Western standards. It's not what we envisage a private company to be in terms of independence. China remains an authoritarian state under the control of the Communist Party with ultimate control over its citizens and its companies. There are examples of concrete um, industrial espionage cases uh, that are, have been brought against Huawei and that have been endorsed or conducted by Huawei and its staff. There is no real independence. There is a significant um, support by the Chinese government in terms of actual subsidies, but also in terms of giving cheap credit or um, properties to, to the company. And also it is operating under sort of protected conditions on the domestic market. Um, so international competitors that are active in this field really are kept out of the Chinese market and therefore it creates an environment in which Huawei becomes a dominant force. It's kind of an actor that is doped in the in the playing field. So it's not a company in the sense that we, we know um, and it's not an actor like Ericsson or Nokia who are similar actors in that field in terms of the technology that they can put out but not in terms of how they are structured. Now, I, I went to this uh, hearing on 5G in, in the Bundestag in the lower house of parliament uh, the other day and one of the one of the big issues that was being discussed was this Chinese national intelligence law from 2017, which is often cited as a reason to exclude Huawei and, and ZTE. Australia and other countries have pointed to this. Can, can you just explain very briefly what's in this intelligence law? So the Chinese law came into effect in June 2017 and was updated in April 2018. It applies to all Chinese citizens, but also to all companies in a multinational group that has a parent company in China and the Chinese-based entities of non-Chinese parent companies, which is relatively important. It is super broad in its scope, and it basically obliges every citizen and organization within its jurisdiction to cooperate with the Chinese authorities in intelligence gathering, um, in state intelligence work. It is explicitly not limited to the Chinese territory, which is very important because it differs from other laws in China in that regard. So in that sense, it basically requires Huawei as a company to cooperate with Chinese authorities whenever the Chinese authorities demand so. On top of that, there is a layer above the legal system in China that is basically can be termed the Communist Party law that is a lot more invisible than what we see on paper. So even um, if, if the legal system would be changed, there would still be a problem because the Chinese Communist Party would be in a position to control the environment the way it wants it and the way it can shape it. Does this mean that ordinary Germans should be, should be worried that their data could be passed on to China, for example? That's exactly the worry, and that's exactly why we're having that conversation at the moment, because the way the 5G network is structured, the computing moves from the core to the edge to the outside of the network, and that means that it's more vulnerable to these kinds of interceptions. So the vendors, such as Huawei, have a lot more influence on the network than uh, they used to, when just the operators like the Deutsche Telekom would be the main ones that run the network. With the national intelligence law, the fear is that the Chinese government could or would put pressure on companies like Huawei and ZTE to extract information from the networks or sabotage their functioning. So Jan-Peter... I wanted to talk a little bit about the, the current debate in Germany over 5G and the role of Huawei. Germany's already held its 5G spectrum auctions. What, what is the current state of play? 
the German debate, uh, I would say it was silent for one year because the only one who, who talked into a microphone was basically Anne Schönbohm from the, the head of BSI who said, I treat every company equally. So there's only the technology that matters and all the, the very good points that uh, Janka just mentioned about the difference in quality of, of the competitors between Chinese companies and European companies um, because of the regulatory background. For him, these don't matter. So it was... And BSI is the, the Bureau for Security? It's, it's our Bureau for uh, Information Security. Right. Um, so uh, maybe as a background knowledge, it's a very technical organization focused on standards, on certification and technical IT security. It is not strategic. It is not political. It is a, a bureaucratic, technocratic agency. The BSI is not only a technical agency, it's also not in Berlin. And it's kind of been outside of the radar screen of a lot of people. And it has been pushed, that decision, um, because no one in Berlin was really willing to make a call on this. And I think yeah. this is also not super fair to the institution itself. It is a technical institution that had to find a solution to a political problem. And that's probably the worst thing that you can do in a case like this. Janka, I wonder if you could lay out the different camps in Germany. Who is pushing for Huawei to play a role and what is their argument and who is pushing back against uh, including them? So this is a bit of a complex conversation, but I think if we want to boil it down to very the basics of it, then you can see on the one hand, we have the security services and the foreign office and parts of the Ministry of the Economics that really know the challenge that they're facing with regard to China at the moment. And on the other hand, we have the chancellery and we have the upper levels of the economics ministry that know the economic damage that this could cause. Because an exclusion of Huawei, the fear is in the chancellery, especially that there will be retaliation, especially against German companies that are quite you know, present on the on the Chinese market. And there is a risk that this could cost German jobs uh, and German money in the end. So this is not a decision that is going to be taken lightly in the chancery. But it's kind of weighing national security and long-term interest against short-term economic interests. Uh, Merkel was in Beijing in early September. We know that Huawei was discussed in her meetings with the China, China's leadership. About a month later, the security criteria for 5G were sort of watered down, reportedly at the instruction of, of the chancellery and the economy ministry. Does this suggest that maybe, Jan Peter, uh, that there was a, a threat that was issued to Merkel in, in Beijing? To be honest, I think it's the, the perfect outcome of what we have talked before, a technocratic agency um, designing uh, technical rules for a technical problem. And uh, it's, for me, the perfect example that the rules that the BSI established on a technical level, they make sense. Uh, these rules will improve the security of our network, but they don't do anything to deal with the threat from Chinese companies because that's not a technical threat. That's a geopolitical one. And it has to be assessed by different agencies. Um, you need different people in the room to talk about this. This is not a technical question. So I also feel a little bit sad for, for the BSI because now it gets all the heat for, for kind of not making a geopolitical decision when in fact they can't. They did the right thing with the task that they were asked to do. So everybody else, as Janka mentioned, the chancellery, uh, the, the foreign office, they need to make a geopolitical decision. Well, it's clear that Germany and other European countries find themselves in a very uncomfortable position on 5G. Increasingly, they're being forced to define their own strategic interests, choose between China and the United States. 
After the break, we'll talk more about this dilemma. You're listening to Studio Berlin on 104.1 FM. We'll be right back. Public radio programs attract educated consumers and business decision makers. You can reach this highly desirable audience with your company's marketing message on KCRW Berlin. Isn't it time to make our listeners your customers? Find out how by emailing us at sponsorships at kcrwberlin.org or online at kcrwberlin.com slash sponsorships. Hey. This is Henry Rollins. Check me out every Friday night from 9 to 11 p.m. right here on 104.1 FM, KCRW, Berlin. Welcome back to Studio Berlin on KCRW Berlin. I'm Noah Barkin, and today we're talking about 5G and the role of Chinese telecommunications group Huawei with Janka Oertl of the German Marshall Fund and Jan-Peter Kleinhans of the Stiftung Neue Verantwortung. The U.S. has been warning European countries that if they include Huawei in their 5G, then Washington will rein in intelligence sharing with them. Uh, U.S. Secretary of State uh, Mike Pompeo was in Berlin last week and, and touched upon this. Here's a listen. I spend uh, a fair amount of my time talking about the risks that are presented to the world by the Chinese Communist Party, its acquisition of sensitive technology firms, and Chinese companies intent to build out the world's next networks. Your own intelligence chief said that Huawei cannot be fully trusted because it is subject to the power of the Chinese Communist Party. Yanka, you speak with U.S. officials quite a bit in your role at GMF. Do you think these U.S. threats to rein in intelligence sharing, are they, are they credible? So just in general, I would say the U.S. is very, very serious when it comes to the 5G matter. Um, and this is not something that is very specific to the Trump administration. It's very bipartisan. Both sides of the aisle agree that this is a challenge to national security and a challenge to technological supremacy. So, so to think that these threats are not credible and they're just joking or they're just you know, they're not going to be serious in the end would be a massive misjudgment uh, on behalf of the on, on the side of the Germans. But the U.S. is kind of changing its approach a little bit here. It used to be extremely forceful, a massive national security argument. Now the argument has become more nuanced. So there are economic arguments, technological arguments, and security arguments. It's a much much more broader debate than it used to be in the beginning. Well, that's interesting, this more nuanced uh, U.S. approach. Uh, I, Jan-Peter, I wanted to talk to you about the alternatives to Chinese suppliers for 5G, to Huawei and, and, and ZTE. We have Sweden's Ericsson, Finland's Nokia, and Samsung from South Korea. Huawei's argument from the beginning has been that its competitors will be significantly more expensive and take longer to deliver on 5G. Is that true? Not to the extent that some parts of the industry and, and some lobbyists uh, made it. We have to understand that when we talk the, about the, the big five, Samsung, Ericsson, Nokia, ZTE and Huawei, we talk about full-stack vendors. If you go shopping as an operator, this is your one-stop shop. But there is quite a, a larger ecosystem below these. So companies such as NEC or Fujitsu who are focused on antennas and on base stations. 
if we want to ensure a diverse field of suppliers, because diversity helps IT security. Mm. That that reduces the the reliance on one one supplier. And, it reduces and, and... it reduces the reliance on one supplier, but it also makes it much harder for an attack to take out the entire network. Maybe you take out the part that is built by one uh, vendor, but probably you do not find an attack that is applicable uh, to to every equipment from any vendor. So we want diversity. Right now, we do not have diversity. And there's a, a, um, a very convincing industrial policy argument that says, well, if you have Huawei and ZTE, where we have pretty good data that shows that they provide components for dump prices. Um, dump prices, you mean they're subsidized by the Chinese state, basically? They are subsidized, but it's, it's not just about direct subsidies, but it's also um, about a, a larger domestic market in China, 1.3 billion, so they have economies of scale um, and so on. And they can simply provide equipment much cheaper. Then for new players to enter the market, it's not interesting. Economically, it doesn't make sense for Samsung to expand to Europe right now because in Europe the prices are dominated by two Chinese players. And what Yanka said before, this is now industrial policy. This is not about national security. This is not about IT security. Again, you need different people um, at the table to talk about, well, is there an industrial policy issue with how how we deal in Europe with Chinese equipment and can we allow them uh, to not being regulated? Mm. But basically well, it also yeah. says that the argument that we're saying when we exclude Huawei and ZTE, we will not have enough competition is kind of a false argument because we could also argue the opposite and could say it could actually entice more competition if the players that are doped are out of the market and if the others actually have a chance to compete, right? Well, it seems exactly. to me like uh, a no-brainer if if Germany and, and European countries, Brussels, is talking about industrial policy to push back against China why not sort of double down on Ericsson and Nokia? They have two homegrown suppliers. Why is that so controversial? Why isn't it happening, uh, Jan Peter? I do not have a good answer for the why, because to me it really does not make sense. We have two global players in the European market, and we are, we are simply not supporting them. So to me, just like you said, it simply does not make sense from an industrial policy perspective. I think that what we're seeing at the moment is a conversation in the United States basically saying, well, we need to make sure that Nokia and Ericsson continue to be present in the market because we're actually basing our own 5G mm. strategy on them. And we don't want them to become boutique suppliers that are only supplying the U.S. market. We want them to actually have market shares worldwide so that they can have competitive prices. And I think that's exactly what the companies want. They don't want money funneled into them. They want actual fair competition. They want market shares worldwide. And the way that they are competing against the Chinese vendors means that they cannot do that. And so it's about the Indian market. It's about the European market. It is about market shares in the United States and about market shares in China as itself. And and if that is possible, if fair competition is possible, then it wouldn't be such a problem to have Chinese suppliers. And, and it is worth pointing out that there is no U.S. homegrown alternative to Huawei. So so the US in a sense is dependent on Europeans to to build their own their own 5G. Yeah, but they're also publicly listed companies. And if they get into financial troubles, um then they can be bought. And that could be the end of European tech leadership very quickly as well. Yeah. The EU published a 5G risk assessment last month which was quite strong. It warned European countries against using suppliers that are 
beholden to states where there's no rule of law, no democratic checks and balances, which have a history of offensive cyber policies, as the report said. So it's not hard to read between the lines. They're talking about China. Why is it so difficult to put together a common European stance on this? Well, each member state is under different pressures economically, domestically, from their operators, from their businesses to make a call. So it's very, very hard um, if there is no kind of tendency, no clear tendency. That's why everyone is looking at Berlin and London, at the big cities that are relevant, that have most relevant markets as well, to make their calls. That's why the pressure on Germany is especially high. But this is why it's also especially important where Germany comes out on this. Jan-Peter, I wanted to go to you. The, the, the struggle that Germany its and its European partners are going through right now over 5G, I imagine this could be the beginning of a, a sort of a slippery slope, a, a series of very difficult choices that European countries face between China and the United States. Do you think that's a fair assessment? 100%. And this is why it's so frustrating. 5G is just the beginning. If we are worried about Chinese 5G base stations, We should be worried about AI coming out of China. We should be worried about platforms such as TikTok coming out of China, a Snapchat competitor. So the big question for me is, will governments in Europe set up processes to assess these risks in a better and more efficient and quicker way? Because at least in Germany, the debate has shown that the government does not have these processes in place yet. They struggle to pool together the resources from the Ministry of Interior, Economics, Foreign Office, the Chancellery, um, the Signal Intelligence Agencies to come to a robust risk assessment. Yeah, that's the real issue here. We have within individual member states, they're struggling to sort of connect all the all the relevant people and, and, and make these big decisions. And then you have 28 member states in the EU and they have to come together. Janka, do you think that German politicians are prepared for this this new world of great power competition, as they call it? No, and I don't think we will ever fully be. Um, it's just really not in our DNA at the moment. But I think that I would be a little more hopeful because we are right now where we need to be. We are having a broad societal conversation, super painful, but it's very necessary to have this conversation. And it's the first time that a China-related issue has created this kind of reaction within parliament, within the society, a real and lively conversation about where we should be and where Germany's place in the world between the US and China will be in the future. This is exactly the conversation we should have. So I would regard 5G basically as a test case. The problem is that it's already pretty serious and we have to come to decisions relatively quickly. But there are going to be lessons learned from this that will hopefully put us in a better position for any kind of future decision of the kind that Jan-Peter just mentioned in future technologies. Well, we've heard that Germany's decision on 5G is absolutely crucial. So I want to end by asking both of you, uh, where do you think this is going in Germany? Where will Germany end up on 5G? Will Huawei play a role? Uh, Janka, first to you, give me a, a yes or no and, and maybe a quick reason for your for your response. I will give you a qualified no. So um, I think that Huawei will, in the long run, not play the same role that it does at the moment. Um, there could be a phase-out. Um, there could be a limited role. Um, because I think that politicians, in the end, will realize the cost associated with keeping the Chinese vendors in the in the system, um, in the economic realm, in the security realm, in the technological realm, but 
first and foremost because of alliance relationships, because of the European partnerships, because of the worries that are associated with this around Germany. And Germany will be a good European in the end and play along. What about what about you, Jan Peter? Do you agree with Janka? I'm sadly I'm not as optimistic as you, Janka. Um, I, looking at the at the history of telco regulation, the German um, government has always been pretty nice to to telcos, and I don't see that changing. So I think they will stick to the portraying this issue as a technical issue, throwing certification and um, statements of trustworthiness um, at it, and simply hoping that Parliament will calm down uh, at some point. Well, this is fascinating. We'll have to pay attention to what happens in the in the months ahead. Unfortunately, we're out of time. That's it for our latest edition of Studio Berlin. Thanks to Janka Oertel of the German Marshall Fund of the United States. Thank you, Noah. And Jan-Peter Kleinhans of the Stiftung Neue Verantwortung for this fascinating discussion. Thanks, Noah. I'm Noah Barkin. For more information about this show, join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And make sure to tune in next week for a new edition of Studio Berlin. Have a great weekend.